Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Uh, I missed you over the last couple of days. Uh, lots of news. Today's an important day for me. Uh, today, my 50th book was published, The Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences, in which I tell the story of how I've been treated by old friends, by members of the Jewish community, by many in the public in general, because I've stuck to my principles, because I refuse to take partisan political sides. Uh, recently, a restaurant that we frequent um, was told by some of my old friends, if they dare to serve me, uh, they won't go there anymore. Another old friend uh, who had a, a, a concert party um, and who's always invited me said it would be social suicide for him to invite me because the radical woke extremists on the vineyard uh, don't like the fact that I represented the Constitution on behalf of, of Donald Trump. But that's what this book is about. It has a wonderful endorsements. The first one is by the President of Israel, Mazel Tov to Allen, for his important 50th book about the frightening devolution from principle to partisanship. And then it has blurbs from conservatives and liberals alike. So you can get it on Amazon. It's number one in radical law new books. <laughs> Why I'm considered a radical, I don't know, because I don't accept political correctness. I guess I'm a radical. Well, today I'll be even more radical because, you know, as you know, I did not vote for Donald Trump uh, either time. I think the election uh, was generally fair. I think Biden is our legitimate uh, president, but I thoroughly, thoroughly disapprove of efforts today to try to pile on and to try to get uh, Donald Trump and prevent him from from running for re-election. I, if he runs for re-election, that's part of the democratic system. I will vote the way I want to vote, but uh, he shouldn't be precluded. You know, I don't want to make any comparisons to really bad guys like Stalin and uh, Lavrenti Beria, but I just want to remind you of a story I used to tell my students in, in criminal law. Back in the 30s, during the Stalinist purges, when all of his enemies were being executed, uh, Lavrenti Beria, the head of the notorious KGB, the basically the, the thugs that killed and reported on all these people, went to Stalin and said to him, Stalin, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. That was the way. Uh, Stalin would pick the target. And then Lavrenti Beria would go after that target and find something on him. Um, J. Edgar Hoover tried that with Martin Luther King. He basically told his underlings at the FBI, I want to get King. Find something he's done wrong. Find a friend of his who's a communist. Find something. I want to get him because, as J. Edgar Hoover said, he's the biggest liar around. This is Martin Luther King, the man who has a national holiday named after him. So how does all this uh, relate to what's happening with, with Donald Trump? Well, today, many extremists on the left and some even less extreme have set out to find criminal charges against uh, Donald Trump, whether they're there or not. Today, the New York Times is an op-ed piece in which uh, some person who's an expert in criminal law says, well, maybe we can get him on a spoke and wheel conspiracy. Maybe we can get him under the racketeering influence, corrupt organization. We gotta find something, even if it's not there, we gotta find it. 
you know, if a student of mine ever did that in my criminal law class, tried to use the criminal law in this way, remember that conspiracy laws, RICO laws, these are accordion-like, they're stretchable. Uh, today, they can be used against Donald Trump tomorrow, they can be used against Joe Biden, and the day after tomorrow, they can be used against you. So whether you're a conservative or a liberal or a woke progressive or a reactionary, whether you're a civil libertarian, whatever you are, whether you're a liberal, whether you're a conservative, I'm sorry, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you should be opposed to efforts to just target people and get them. The attorney general of New York, who I, I like as a person, Letitia James, she campaigned on the campaign promise to get Trump or get Trump. That's not the way law enforcement should operate. That's going on today in Georgia. Look, what we know what President Trump did in Georgia. He called the Secretary of State and he said, find me. And then he gave a number of votes that would be necessary to uh, turn the state over to him in, in the election. We know what he meant. He, he didn't mean make up the votes. He didn't mean fill in empty ballots. He meant search hard and see if you can find so many thousands of people. You know, Al Gore, I'm sure, and his team did the same thing in Florida. Find me 540-something votes. Maybe, maybe I'll be the president instead of, of George uh, Bush. Uh, was it the right thing to do? That's not the issue. The issue is a criminal. And people are using the most imaginative efforts to try to stretch the criminal law to fit Donald Trump. You know, there's a principle in criminal law. It's called lenity, L-E-N-I-T-Y. It's an old principle that goes back to the British and was in existence at the time of the American Revolution and the American Constitution. And it's defined as when there are two possible interpretations of a criminal statute, you must interpret it in the way that is favorable to the defendant, not the, not the prosecution. There's another concept in the Constitution. It's called a Bill of Attainder. The Bill of Attainder was used frequently in England. Um, the British Parliament would target somebody and the legislature, the Parliament, would pass a law making what he did criminal. And so the Constitution, not the Bill of Rights, Constitution only contains two rights, basically. You can define certain other things maybe as rights, but two explicit criminal law rights. No bill of attainder, no ex post facto law. Those are right in the text of the Constitution without the Bill of Rights. And what's the theory behind ex post facto law and bill of attainder? You can't target people. You can't legislate crime and say what you did, which may have been legal at the time you did it, we're now going to target you, name you, and prosecute, even though what you did wasn't criminal at the time. So those are prohibited by the ex post facto and bill of attainment prohibitions. I'm not saying that what's going on now is expressly prohibited by those two provisions, but the policies behind those provisions are clearly at play. You know, the way the criminal law is supposed to work is a crime is committed. Um, just read today's paper. A guy goes into 7-Elevens in uh, California and shoots and kills two people and wounds a bunch of other people in either three or four uh, 7-Elevens. And, and that's a crime. And so they're searching for 
the defendant so they can arrest him and put him on trial. It's so different when you say, no, this is the defendant. We don't know what he did. We don't know whether he ever did anything criminal, but this is the defendant. This is the targeted guy. We can, we can create a wanted poster, wanted for fill in the blanks. Uh, we don't know what he's wanted for, but we'll find out. We'll find something. We'll invent something. We'll create something. We'll concoct something, but we'll get him because he's the guy we want to get. We want to make sure he can't run for president in 2024. We want to put him in jail. We want to make sure his family and his friends and his lawyers and everybody else goes to jail. So let's target them and let's get some really smart criminal lawyers like the guy who wrote the op-ed piece in today's New York Times, Professor Lawrence Tribe of Harvard, who said that President Trump should be indicted for attempting to murder, attempting to murder Vice President Pence. If a student ever wrote that in an exam, I would tell him, you know, go to a different school, but not law school. That's not what the law is about. That's not what the rule of law is about. That's not what criminal justice is about. That's not what the Bible is about. The Bible requires two witnesses. Uh, the Bible requires warning. There's no ex post facto in the Bible. Uh, and and for, for these woke progressive Democrats now to really throw away uh, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, uh, our history, our tradition, the rule of law in order to get Trump is just like, and here I'm not making any apologies. It's not like Stalin. It's not like uh, Laverne Beria, it's just like McCarthyism, just like McCarthyism. There is no difference between what's going on now and McCarthyism. And McCarthyism, they said, we're going to find this guy. We think he's a communist. He's a fellow traveler. He worked on the nuclear bomb. Maybe he did this. Maybe he did that. We'll find something. And they set out the House on American Activities Committee and the Senate Committee and Joseph McCarthy and members of the um, Justice Department to target and get those communists, make sure there are no communists uh, that work in the government. And they did. They succeeded. They targeted people and they put them in jail. They uh, eliminated their jobs, drove some of them to suicide. I know I lived through that. I was a very fervent anti-communist. I hated communism. I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood where everybody hated communism because Stalin was murdering Jews. Um, uh, you know, next to Hitler, Stalin was the worst. And, um, and so we hated communism, but we didn't support McCarthyism. I mean, that's the point. Maybe I grew up that way. I learned to live with cognitive dissonance. I hated communism, but I hated McCarthyism. Not too many people, you know, today would make that distinction. Uh, if you hate Trump, then you're perfectly in favor of using McCarthy tactics to defend Trump. If you love Trump, you're probably in favor of using some McCarthyite tactics to get his enemies. Look, I get emails today. Impeach, impeach Biden. No, no, no. I'm a man of principle. I believe in principle. And the principle applies to both sides. The Constitution says a president cannot be impeached unless they commit treason, bribery, and treason is defined in the Constitution, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. That has a meaning. Other high crimes and misdemeanors means other criminal type behavior akin to treason and bribery. That's what I argued in front of the United States Senate. That's why 
the people won't go to the restaurant unless they don't serve me. That's why my friend wouldn't invite me to a party after a 40-year friendship. That's why Larry David screamed at me on the porch of the Chilmark store. Uh, by the way, I tell all those stories. I name names. I point fingers about unprincipled people who are prepared to employ, in this case, left-wing uh, McCarthyism. The irony of Chilmark, where I lived for the summer, is that Chilmark was a very, still is, a very, very left-wing enclave. But back in the 1930s, um, the section of Chilmark, which was very left, was called Menemsha. It's still called Menemsha. And the people who lived there were called Menemsheviks, like Bolsheviks or um, you know, uh, other forms of, of, of communism. And, and many of them, Lillian Hellman lived here, um, the, the head of the American Civil Liberties Union lived here. Uh, many of them were targeted by the McCarthyite people. You'd think they would know better than to use McCarthyite tactics against me and against others. The Chilmark Library, it's supposed to be open to the public. It's supposed to be a public institution. They won't allow me to speak there. They won't allow me to speak in the Chilmark Library because they don't like the fact that I defended the Constitution on behalf of President uh, Trump. That's the form of McCarthyism we're hearing today. And we're seeing it directed at President Trump. Look, I'm no fan of President Trump's presidency. He did some great things, by the way. Um, the the uh, Camp David uh, Accords, I'm sorry, the Abraham Accords. Uh, President Biden is going to Israel uh, day after tomorrow to build on the Abraham Accords. I hope he will give credit where credit is due. Certainly the Israelis give credit where credit is due. They have said over and over again that the Trump administration, Jared Kushner, Avi Berkowitz, David uh, uh, Friedman, um, uh, Mike Pompeo, all deserve credit for bringing about peaceful relations between Israel and most of the Gulf states. Even Qatar, which hasn't made peace with Israel, is doing more business with Israel than it would like to admit. Um, Saudi Arabia will probably at some point reach out and, and make some uh, closer relationship with Israel. That's the Trump administration. So not enough to get me to vote for them, but enough to get me to praise them for what they did while condemning them for other things that they did. There's a word for that. It's called nuance. It's called passing the shoe on the other foot test. It's called calling it straight. It's called principle. It's called principle. I stand for principle. I stand for integrity. I put principle above partisanship. I'm helping out people on both sides of the political spectrum when I think that they're being attacked on unconstitutional grounds. And people don't understand it. Are you a Democrat? Then how can you help a Republican? Uh, or are you uh, somebody who thinks this Republican shouldn't be prosecuted? then how can you vote Democrat? People don't understand that. I get my letters. My letters don't understand me. I'm a liberal Democrat who will defend Republicans. I'm a liberal Democrat who thinks the Trump administration did a good job in the Middle East. Um, I am uh, uh, somebody who defended President Trump in front of the Senate on behalf of the Constitution, who voted for Joe Biden. Um, do I think Joe Biden is perfect? No, I don't. Do I think any president 
I ever voted for is perfect? No. The only time I've ever regretted a vote is I regret my second vote for Barack Obama. I think that he helped destroy American foreign policy in his second term. And I wish I had voted for uh, Romney instead of uh, Barack Obama. But Barack Obama fooled me into voting for him. I tell the story in several of my books. He called me into the Oval Office, sat me down, told me he had Israel's back, that he would never allow Iran to develop nuclear uh, weapons. And then I realized that what he meant by having Israel's back is to paint the target on it. And that's what he did. And so I would not vote for Barack Obama again. I shouldn't have voted for him uh, the second time he ran. I was proud to vote for him the first time he ran. I had parties celebrating his his victory. And I was thrilled to uh, uh, to see him as president of the United States. But I would not have voted for him the second time if I knew what he was going to do during his second term. So, you know, I'm going to live a life of principle. and I'm going to live a life of nuance. And I'm not going to make friends on on Martha's Vineyard. I'm not going to make friends among uh, Republicans. Uh, The Republicans think I'm too far left. The Democrats think I'm too far right or too far center. Uh, That's who I am. And that's who I'm going to continue to be. My letter writers, you should see what they write about me, uh, think the worst of me. But uh, I don't even know if they watch the show or they just are trolls who get on the website and start uh, writing about me. But the stuff they write about me is awful. But, you know, some of them are too dumb to understand that you can actually be a liberal Democrat and support some of the things Republicans do and, and, and oppose Democrats' attempt to use McCarthyism. People are too dumb to understand that, including some people on Trumar. Uh, I excuse them. There's, there's, you know, you don't blame people for their stupidity. There are others who pretend they're stupid and that they don't understand, but they really understand and there are those who fully understand and just regret, reject it. Those who would not allow John Adams to sit in their restaurant because he defended the people accused of the Boston Massacre. Well, I'm going to continue to uh, live by my principles. And uh, I, hope you'll, I, hope you'll, I hope you'll read my book. I hope you'll uh, write me about it, agree or disagree. I'm now working on book number 51. I'm working on a book uh, called Death and Life how the law deals with abortion, gun control, Ukraine, police shootings, all issues, tragic choices involving life and death. And that too, that book will be a criticism of both left and right, a criticism of the Supreme Court, the justification of some support, Supreme Court decisions. You know, I'm not the kind of person you can ever root for. I'm not like the Red Sox or the Yankees. You can't root for me. And people used to come over to me in the street and say, I used to admire you, but now that you've, whatever it was, defended O.J. Simpson, I don't admire you anymore. And my answer is always, you should never have admired me in the first place. You never understood me. You didn't understand that I wasn't defending your friends because they're your friends. I was defending them because they were the O.J. Simpson of the day. And you don't like O.J. Simpson, but you liked people who did this or that or the other thing. And I'm always going to defend people on the basis of of principle. So like me or hate me, the one thing, please don't ignore me. I know that uh, um, uh, I want to be listened to. I want you to read my books. I want you to listen to the podcast. I want you to write me. I want you to tell me what you think. And uh, even if what you think is not what I think, that's America. That's the way we ought to dialogue. The one thing I cannot abide on either side is people who, because they disagree with you, try to cancel you or try to dismiss you or try to 
make it as if you're not worthy of being listened to. In America, we listen, we debate, we discuss, we disagree, and we come together when it's important to come together on shared values. I think most of the people that write to me love America. I love America. Um, but they love America differently from the way I do. So continue to write to me, continue to listen and watch me, hopefully continue to read my, my books and continue to disagree with me. Speaking of disagreements, let's get to some of today's letters. The first one kind of agrees. Uh, you and I agree that in the Janin incident, that's the shooting, maybe by Israel, we're not sure, of a Palestinian journalist. In the Janin incident, the blame falls on the terror group, regardless of where the bullet came from. That's clear. What happened is Israeli soldiers came in, they weren't firing, uh, they were acting responsibly, and then terrorists from the roof started shooting at Israeli soldiers. Israeli soldiers shot back in the fusillade. The journalist was killed. The United States government did an investigation. They can't tell from the bullet where the bullet came from, but the circumstantial evidence suggests it may well have been Israel, but they're not sure. But it also strongly suggests that it was an accident that nobody targeted or intended to kill. Okay, so he continues. But I hope that we can also agree that if it could be proven beyond any doubt that the shooting was deliberate and that it came from the Israeli side, Israel or more accurately the shooter, would need to be held accountable. I agree 100%. And if it was ordered by a higher up, the higher up ought to be held responsible. My question is, who needs to prove it? Well, obviously, who needs to prove it? The people who are charging somebody with a crime need to prove it. That's the essence of our justice system. You have to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. If there are doubts, politically, they can be resolved either way. But legally, they have to be resolved in favor of the defendant. Next, the Coach Kennedy case. It seems that SCOTUS voted the way they did on the prayer because the prayer was after the game. You say players might feel obliged. Um, difference, this praying is not during school. Perhaps if before game might be true that it pushes a religion, but after a game, everyone is on their own private time. No, 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 that's not what happened. He went to the middle of the field right after the game while the crowds were still there. The school offered him an opportunity to go to the middle of the field after the crowds dispersed and after the players left. He can pray wherever he wants. But the feeling was that if he went there immediately after the game and prayed to Jesus and prayed a Christian prayer, um, that uh, players would feel obligated to join him. And they did. And they did. And I have no doubt that there are players who said to themselves, gee, I would like to get a few more playing minutes next time. And if I go and pray with, uh, with this guy, it, it's going to help me. And as I said before, this guy was a Muslim, and he was going Allah uh, and, and asked students to join him in prayers to Allah. Uh, I don't think the reaction would be the same. You could say it would be the same, but I don't believe that. Um, okay, next to change the subject. Professor, do you think Jose Alba should have been charged with second-degree murder, or was he simply defending himself? That's the case in New York where a guy came into a, a shop, a store, a, 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 a place where you, you know, sell a, a food and, and attacked um, the owner uh, and the owner uh, was being beaten up. The owner was an older man. And uh, after he was being beaten up, he reached in, pulled out a knife and stabbed his assailant. 
Um, he was then also the guy who did the stabbing, was stabbed by the assailant's girlfriend, apparently, at least according to the New York Post. And so should he have been charged with second-degree murder? No, I don't believe so. I think this is a case of self-defense. There should be more study of it. If there are other facts that I'm not aware of, fine. But at the moment, he should not have been arrested. He should not have been charged with um, murder, and he should not have had $250,000 of bail imposed. I think it was a rush to judgment, and um, I hope that justice finally prevails. Next letter, I don't always agree with you, but you make me think. Well, that's what I do. That's what I try to do. Letter, I remember when Dershowitz said it was a mistake that Merrick Garland didn't get the nod to join SCOTUS. Still do. I think it was not only a mistake, I think it was illegal. I don't think the Constitution, which says that the president shall nominate and with the advice and consent, advice and consent of the, the Senate appoint justices of the Supreme Court. I don't think it gives them the right not to have a hearing and the right not to have a vote. Whether he should have been voted for or against, that would be up to the members of the Senate. But it was illegal, unethical, unconscionable, I think unconstitutional for the Republican majority to deny him a hearing and to deny him a vote. I think the Democrats might very well have been cheated out of a seat in the Supreme Court. Um, I am a nurse, so constitutional law is a weak subject for me, though I did have good civics class in high school. That can be very important. They don't teach civics in high school anymore. They teach propaganda in high school. Uh, they teach critical race theory in a lot of high schools. They teach other propaganda things, but, you know, they don't teach you the actual constitution. Civics, which we learned when I was in high school. I really appreciate that you can break it down so well. It's important that we agree to disagree. I love that you give me great talking points to throw at my wacky liberal friends. I hope I have some good talking points to throw at some of your wacky conservative friends, uh, too. And then, of course, this is typical. This old idiot, SOB, me, has dementia. I'll challenge you to an IQ test any day of the week, buddy. Okay. And occasional praise. Professor Dershowitz is a national treasurer. Even as a conservative, I value what he has to say. I only wish there were more people who had the courage to speak out. He makes us stop and think, and there are many sides to a problem. I still don't understand his vote for Biden. Now someone can call me names, too. I would rather be in his company and not be afraid to listen to other points of view. Look, that's what I, I agree with. You can disagree with my votes. That's what America is all about. That's why we vote in private. That's why I'm involved in some lawsuits now challenging uh, mail ballots, uh, mail-in ballots, except for people who have to vote by mail because of fiscal infirmity, because I'm concerned that too much pressure could be put on uh, vote-by-mail voters uh, to vote the way relatives and friends and others at work want them to vote. What is destroying us in the United States is ignoring the treason during all four years of the Trump presidency. No, 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 there was no treason. Treason requires wartime, taking arms against the United States. So please don't use treason as a metaphor. It isn't true. Dershowitz, you have any remorse for calling yourself a Democrat and working in the liberal cesspool institutions for most of your life? I'm still a Democrat. I'm still working for the victory of Democrats, while at the same time voting for the defeat of Democratic extremists, such as OAC and Ilan Omer and others. I want to vote, my vote is for mainstream centrist Democratic candidates like Joe Biden, like Amy Klobuchar, and, and others at the middle. You don't like it? 
vote Republican. That's your right. And it's my right to vote Democrat. Uh, final question. The Constitution was designed to protect America from people like you and your bloodthirsty Democratic Party. The Second Amendment is the only reason America still exists. What nonsense. The Second Amendment has never been used to defend America. Never been used to defend America. Uh, yeah, we had a civil war, but nobody claims, I wonder if this guy claims, that the South had the right to attack Fort Sumter and start the Civil War under the Second Amendment because the North was uh, tyrannical. No, the Second Amendment is not designed to give people the right to overthrow the government by force and violence. In fact, we have statutes prohibiting the overthrow of the government by force and violence. We have insurrection statutes. In fact, there are lawsuits now pending uh, to see whether or not some of the people in December or January 6th were guilty of insurrection. I don't think they were, but I surely don't support the use of the Second Amendment to overthrow a lawfully elected government, whether it be by extremists on the right or extremists on the left. So you're dead wrong about the Second Amendment. Second Amendment was designed to assure a well-regulated state militia. That's what it was designed to assure. A well-regulated state militia is designed to protect the state from people who would try to overthrow the government. No militias have tried to overthrow the government, and none would. And so you and those of you who believe that about the Second Amendment are wrong as a matter of history, wrong as a matter of law, wrong as a matter of constitutionality, wrong as a matter of morality. Go back to school and learn better. Maybe I'll help to teach you next time on The Dirt Show.